This podcast is sponsored by the valleygivesback.org. Hey everybody, welcome to Naval Geezing, the Valley Indie Podcast. I'm Eugene Driscoll of valleyindie.org. That intro music is courtesy of the Bad Slugs. And that little voice you heard at the beginning was my daughter, Emma, who is six years old in the first grade and just got over the flu. Thanks everybody who ran into me and wished me well. I had put something on the site, so... Uh, couple of days uh, I couldn't do as much reporting as I wanted to, but I think I had a new story on the site every day nonetheless, so we got through it. On Friday, February 7th, an 8th grader hid inside the Derby Veterans Community Center on 5th Street in Derby as the building closed for the night. In this episode, you'll learn what the young man was up to for about three hours after the building closed. I'll also go over the most read stories of the week on valleyindy.org. And I'll go over the surprisingly controversial formation of a Charter Revision Commission in the city of Derby. It is a Derby-centric episode. But before we begin, please take a moment to listen to this message from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what mattered to you. With a planned gift, You have the power to impact the valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your actions will inspire others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about planned giving options. Plan now. Give later. Impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. Yes, and thank you to valleygivesback.org. Check out that website now. Before I get into what transpired at the Derby Community Center a week or two ago, there's some big news potentially coming out of Derby this upcoming Tuesday for your information. The Derby Planning and Zoning Commission could make a decision on whether to allow a business person to or company to build 215 market rate apartments and about 8,500 square feet of commercial space at 23 Factory Street in Derby within the downtown redevelopment zone. That meeting is scheduled for 7 p.m. this Tuesday, and here is a clip of Derby Economic Development Liaison, Carmen DeCenzo, talking about what's coming up. This coming Tuesday evening, we're gonna have the planning and zoning meeting, and um, hoping that the project west of uh, Factory Street will be approved and we're going to finally we'll get something positive going downtown. So uh, Carl is here, he's been here for the last two years, 
starting to get tired of looking at them, but um, we're going to get this thing done, and um, hopefully everything goes good Tuesday night. So again, that was Carmen DeCento talking about a meeting coming up this Tuesday. That meeting starts at 7 p.m. in Derby City Hall. Derby planning and zoning. Uh, I apologize for the low quality of that audio, but I was recording on my iPhone from about 10 feet away, and, and that's that. So the Derby Board of Aldermen and Alderwomen met last Thursday. During that meeting, Andrew Coda, chairman of the Derby Parks and Recreation Commission, went over an incident that happened the week before at the city's community center. Here's a clip I recorded from the meeting where Coda goes over what happened. Parks and Rec. Uh, I just want to report, well, all the programs are going pretty good, but we did have an incident last week where some uh, kids that were playing basketball stayed inside, hid inside the, uh, the building up on uh, Fifth Street. So, yeah, as he said, kids hid in the community center after it closed. So I don't know about you, but... I assume the next line from him would be, and they caused $30,000 worth of damage. They broke every window in the place. They drained the swimming pool of all its water and set the snack machine on fire. But actually, listen to what they were doing in there. And uh, they played basketball. On the... Did you catch that? And uh, they played basketball. And the police department drove by, observed the lights were on, called Dennis. They went down, and it was a team practicing at midnight or thereabout. So um, they were um, suspended because they were part of the team that, that goes there. They're uh, suspended. Dennis is taking care of that. Because uh, there was no damage or anything, they were not uh, arrested uh, for anything like that. But they have been told that, that they cannot come back on the property until, uh, until they're allowed to come back. So Dennis, it's going to be up to him what time period that will be in case anybody heard about that particular incident. Yeah, so the Dennis mentioned there is Dennis O'Connell, the director, Parks and Recreation director for the city of Derby. And that was me laughing in the recording, by the way. I apologize for that. But my immediate reaction to what was being said was, this is the greatest story of all time. Kids do something, yes, wrong and boneheaded, and I don't mean to glorify it, but they did it just so they could play more basketball, a bunch of eighth graders. I made some calls on this Friday to find out more. It seemed like a slice of Americana to me, you know what I mean, in this in this sort of tidal wave, tsunami of negative news we have all the time. Something like this, I don't know, seemed kind of nice. I had some phone calls returned, some were not, but from what I gather or was told, the building closes at 9 p.m., right? So uh, there was a youth team in there sponsored by the rec center, all neighborhood kids who had been practicing uh, with a coach and all that. When their practice was over, it's time to leave, one of the kids apparently hid in a bathroom, did one of the things where he, he put his uh, feet on the toilet so he couldn't be seen. Uh, so he avoids detection. And then after the building closes and the staff leaves and the adults are gone, he lets all his teammates back in. Uh, neighborhood kids are there till 12 a.m. They're still, as of almost 1 a.m., kids outside with uh, duffel bags. But the police come. The kids scatter uh, when the adults arrive. But they're very quickly able to get an idea as to who had been in there. So I was told they've identified about 10 kids. Uh, and I was just struck by the fact that it, they didn't do any damage in there for three hours. They just played basketball, apparently. I know if I was in that situation, I'm not proud to admit this, but when I was in eighth grade, I would have vandalized something for sure. So then I started to think about it a little more. And, 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 and uh, I started asking myself, well, where were the parents? You know, I guess that's something that 
just springs up in us when we hear something like this. Where was mom and dad if, you know, junior the eighth in eighth grade is out to 12 a.m., 1 a.m. Uh, at night? But, you know, then again, it's like it's hard to be a parent, man, especially when you don't make a lot of money. I have a first grader and a fourth grader, and my kid, as I'm recording this, is outside riding on the sidewalk on his bicycle on Hawthorne Avenue without a helmet on by himself. I'm trying to give him some level of independence. You know, he stays up late playing Xbox. They've had a couple of days off. He's up to two or three in the morning. I'm sort of looking the other way because he seems to be having some fun fun with his friends. So I don't know. Maybe it's wrong for me to question where the parents were. Maybe it's wrong for you to do the same without knowing more of the facts. Maybe the kids had an elaborate scheme and the parents thought they were at another house. Uh, I, I don't know. But then I tried to sort of shove either negative or positive thoughts out of my head. And it made me think midnight basketball, man, midnight gyms, programming, volunteered, something to keep the kids off the streets. Can we, anybody out there got any ideas? So I Googled midnight basketball kids off streets. And first thing that pops up is something from Wikipedia and I'll read some of it now. Midnight basketball is an alternative, I'm sorry, is an initiative developed in the 1990s to curb inner-city crime in the United States by keeping youth off the streets and engaging them with alternatives to drugs and crime. I guess it was in vogue for a couple of years, went away. According to Wikipedia, by 2019, these midnight basketball programs are making a comeback around the country. There was a 2006 study uh, covering the years 1990 to 1994, looking at some of these programs, and it concluded property crime rates fell more rapidly in cities that were early adopters of the original midnight basketball. Uh, so what I'm leaving out, though, is they also said there was a whole other host of mitigating factors. Uh, an article from Texas, according to Wikipedia, stated that the program has cut crime in one Fort Worth neighborhood 89% on nights when games are held. So anyway, that's just food for thought. There's that. I thought it was something interesting that transpired. Information relayed at the Derby Board of Alderman, Alderwomen meeting last week. <clears throat> All right, so most read stories. I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, February 16th, 2020. Yes, this is what I'm doing on a Sunday. Uh, here are the stories you read the most last week on valleyindy.org. Number five, Ansonia hopes to save money on street signs. Number four, two people dead after car crash in Shelton. Number three, Jose Morales charged with murdering Christine Holloway of Ansonia. By the way, their child, one-year-old Vanessa Morales, is still missing. If you have information on her whereabouts, please call the Ansonia Police Department at 203-735-1885 or call the FBI who are offering a $10,000 reward, 203-503-5555 or an 800 number, 800-225-5324. Again, $10,000 reward for information. Second most read story of last week on valleyindy.org, suspected car thief caught in Seymour. That's a guy apparently who uh, stole a police cruiser out of Waterbury and drove into Seymour and crashed at the rotary. Number one, most read story last week, valleyindy.org, org, sorry. Alderman, enough with the big rigs parking on Ansonia streets. Yes, people read the heck out of that story. That was Alderman Dan King saying that there's too many tractor trailers on uh, Ansonia streets. And he was talking about, uh, I'd reach out to him for a little more information, but 
he wasn't just talking about like a, a, you know a trucker who has it who has employment and comes and parks overnight and goes out to work or something like that. He was talking about or he was including businesses. I guess there are some businesses in Ansonia that use big trucks and they're using city streets as parking lots. Uh, anyway, yeah, I was surprised. A lot of people uh, read that story. So Ansonia, uh, your news is my news. Small news, no such thing. Finally, Derby formed a charter revision commission at last Thursday's Board of Aldermen meeting. The commission may suggest changes to Derby's blueprint for how the government is structured. Should the mayor's position become a four-year term instead of two? Should it be a full-time job instead of part-time? If it's full-time, should the salary be bumped up? Those are the type of things this commission now formed could consider. Democratic Town Committee recommended Walt Mayhew, currently the city's treasurer, be appointed to this Charter Revision Commission. Alderwoman Barbara DeGenero voted against Mayhew's appointment, as did Republicans Charles Sampson and Jim DiMartino. rest of the board voted yes to appoint Mayhew, which gave him enough votes to get on. Here is some audio from that first vote, by the way. Again, it's recorded on a iPhone, so you may have to snuggle up to your screen. And also, you should be wearing, this is a podcast, you should have headphones on, okay? If you don't, that's your fault. Kidding, folks. Walter Mayhew, is he a Democrat? Yes. A public official holding a paid... That's Mayor Zekin. ...treasurer's job. You need a waiver, but let's vote on the All in favor? That's Ron Silver. Aye. Aye. Opposed? No. No. Samson DiMartino. Seven to two. Jim DeBarnio. Uh, I didn't vote yet. Barbara DeGenero. Six to two. Um, Roll call. I'm, I'm going to say no. I'm saying no. Six to three. He's approved. Well, he went to waiver now. If we go right to, depending on what it is, get there yet. Depending on what else gets approved. He needs a waiver no matter what. Some confusion oh, over this waiver, which I'll talk about. All right, so he's approved. So he's approved, six to three. Yeah. So the waiver. No. The waiver. You better get the commission first before you can do the waiver. Do the waiver. Yes or no? Do the waiver at the end. But under what grounds does he need a waiver? He gets a pay. That's Mark Garofalo. That, that refers back to the being on the board of aldermen or the tax. No, or any any appointed or any elected official. Police commissioner. Joe Bomber. He, he got yeah, any, I was fire commissioner. I had to get a waiver. No, but those, those are, 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 those to appoint Mayhew to the Charter Revision Commission uh, with three nay votes. But then, as you heard, basically everyone on the board or everyone who spoke said Mayhew additionally needed a unanimous waiver from the aldermen and women because Mayhew receives money to be treasurer. There's a stipend, I believe, involved in that position. And Derby has what they call a, quote, dual office holding, unquote, provision in its charter. So that in order to serve on an appointed board while also receiving money from the city, you need this waiver they were talking about. But as you heard there, uh, where Mark Garofalo got up, there's some 
different interpretations going on as to whether, in fact, Walt Mayhew needed this waiver. So here is now the vote on the waiver. So he's been appointed, but he additionally needs a unanimous waiver, according to what was said at the meeting, in order to serve. Here's that second vote. Okay, so we got 10. We have one too many as public officials. One needs a waiver. As we thought before, if he's approved, he'll step back, step down. Right? And the waiver has to be 11. We have more people with public officials. We have three people with waivers. One. Board of all members? They don't get paid. They don't get paid. Paid. Oh, is that what we can't report now? Yeah. That's the way we're doing it. Oh, okay. Receiving any money? Well, receiving you indirectly or directly back. Okay. Okay. So the only one we need is the waiver is on Walt Mayhew. We do need another Well, wait a minute. What, what's well, even 11 yeah. people. Now we have too many. We have, do we have, we have too many? Too many public officials. We have too many public officials. Right, well, so far, we're going to vote right now. Okay. We're going to vote. If he gets on, the waiver needs before, to Camille will step back. If Walter does, gets the waiver. The waiver needs to be unanimous. Okay, you want to do a roll call vote? All right, roll call vote for what we need for a waiver. Mr. Joseph D. Martino. Yes. Ms. D. Janeiro. No. Mr. D'Onofrio. Yes. Mr. Sill. Yes. Mr. James D. Martino. No. Mr. Sampson. No. Mr. Heider? Yes. Ms. Widowski? Yes. Mr. Kirkland? Ms. Kirkland? Yes or no? Here's the conflict. Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. 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 Sorry for that bad slugs uh, music there. But as you just heard, he did not receive, Walt Mayer did not receive a unanimous vote in order to receive that waiver. Uh, three people voted against it. Now, I published a story Thursday night. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on uh, Monday the 17th, it's probably the second story on the main site, valleyindy.org. Uh, Walt got on there and put a comment saying he doesn't agree with this interpretation and he's strongly disagrees with what's uh, going on there. So you can hear, obviously, there's some interpretation, different interpretations going on uh, of this dual office holding provision or prohibition in the Derby City Charter. Uh, I guess I'll just close by reading the Derby Charter. So <laughs> gather around the campfire, kids. I know you will uh, all love hearing this, but it's section 14, dual office holding Etc. Effective the first Saturday of December. Oh, this is all right. All right. No officer of said city shall be at the same time a member of the board of aldermen, either the mayor, street commissioner, director of public works, police commissioners, fire commissioner, nor any other officer of said city, either elected, appointed, including members of the board of aldermen, members of the board of apportionment and taxation, members of the finance committee, and members of the board of education shall directly or indirectly furnish any materials to said city to be directly or indirectly employed to do any work for said city except his or her official duty. The provisions of this section may be waived by a unanimous vote of the board of aldermen. So they might, the Charter Revision Commission that just uh, formed, Derby tried to toss this rule out in 2016, but the public rejected it. 
Uh, I, they could, I guess, try to rewrite it uh, to make it clearer because there are a bunch of different interpretations going on, I think, or actually, and that's not me thinking, that's factual. But here's some background from me that I wrote in 2016. Why does this exist? Any city employee running for public office has been subject to the wave you're in Derby for 60 years. It was born out of a time when Derby elected officials could profit from public service. The history of the requirement isn't crystal clear, at least in Evening Sentinel articles from the 1950s. The Freedom Information Act and similar sunshine laws did not exist back then, so the first discussions about the waiver in the 1950s were held in back rooms at Derby City Hall, away from the prying eyes of the public. But the waiver was controversial, according to a 1953 newspaper report at the time, because several Derby government officials had service contracts with Derby back then. Uh, in those days, an alderman at the time supplied the city with gasoline. A member of the Board of Education purchased groceries for a city department from her family's store. A member of the tax board was a plumber who did business with the city. According to the Evening Sentinel, Alderman Michael V. Valaco described his fellow elected officials as, quote, leeches who have been on the gravy train too many years, unquote. So that was sort of the genesis of this law. And uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but something's changed since last week, since the meeting. Mr. Mayhew has requested an opinion from the city's corporation council as to whether he can uh, serve on the Charter Revision Commission. Uh, or he's actually, I'm not exactly sure what his exact uh, uh, request was, but he has requested a legal opinion from the city's corporation council connected to this controversy. So stay tuned. And don't forget, Derby meeting is, uh, there's a meeting Tuesday, 7 p.m., Derby planning and zoning, where the commission could approve more than 200 apartments for Main Street or off Main Street in downtown Derby. So without further ado, this was Eugene Driscoll of valleyindy.org. Thank you so much for listening. Now here's the Bad Slugs outro, which I hit the wrong button earlier. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.